Everybody, are we ready? Are we alive? Can somebody answer me? Thank you. <laughs> you keep this energy up and keep this energy going. Right, our first speaker for the day is the wonderful Reverend Elaine Bevin, and the topic of the conversation is consciousness and communication. So the format for the talks is each of our demonstrators will deliver their talk. There is a time for questions and answers, and we actively encourage that, because nobody learned anything without asking questions, and no question is daft if you don't know the answer. Elaine. Thank you. I'm sure you'll all be able to hear, hear me because I'm not a quiet person. What I lack in height, I make up for in sound. <laughs> and as Laurie said, my topic I want to share with you is consciousness and the practice of communication. So I hope I will challenge some of your ideas. We understand that there is so much more to this world than we truly appreciate and that the reality is far more complex than we are able to experience with our physical senses alone. Everything starts with consciousness, with a sense of being aware. Consciousness is the subjective experience of the mind that allows us to perceive to think and to feel. We are sentient beings that have an awareness which we can move into an expanded consciousness through the practice of meditation and psychic and mystical experiences. This enables us to experience that we are at one with the universe, the multiverse 
and every single thing that exists. This is known as our supraconsciousness, which takes us outside our normal reality to enable us to sense, appreciate and understand the more subtle energies that constantly surround us. When we die, we know that we no longer have a physical body, but we also understand that our departed loved ones can continue to communicate with us in certain situations. When we look at how communication occurs after death, we have to focus on the mind as the facilitator, not the brain as that organ no longer exists. Some scientists argue that because consciousness is a non-physical energy, it may well exist without the brain, as the brain is only acting as a mediator or receiver for consciousness. Along with consciousness after death, we also retain our intelligence our perceptions, our views and our attitudes whilst we remain close to the Earth's dimensions. However, we know that the soul is on an eternal journey and we understand that the departed spirit will ultimately be progressing to higher levels of knowledge and wisdom as it experiences each incarnation and develops a greater understanding of the part it is playing in the divine plan. As the soul gains in understanding, so it is able to access higher and higher dimensions, where information regarding the past, the present and the future potential is available. Eventually, the soul will be able to raise its vibrations to such a level that it will connect with the divine source, where the physical dimension will then no longer hold any attraction for it. Many scientists accept that consciousness is an energy, a profound, powerful energy that we broadcast with our thoughts, our emotions, as well as our voice. This is a field of energy that connects everything and what human beings think collectively can actually be measured because thought is known to be a particle of light. With consciousness, we can communi communicate to and receive information from anywhere in the entire universe. Distance does not matter. Our thoughts are broadcast into that global energy field and what happens in one part of the energy field influences other parts of the energy field in the exact same instance, whether we are consciously able to register that or not. Ramadan, the guide of medium Ursula Roberts, tells us that the language of the spirit is the language of thought. And when we return to the spirit world, thought is used more and more directly to communicate information to other spirits. However, 
when we first pass to spirit, we do need some guidance in how to use the power of thought now that we no longer have a body or a voice, so that we are then taught how to think correctly and constructively in order to prevent us wasting our energy by thinking thoughts of hopelessness and despair. When a spirit wishes to pass information and communicate with other spirits, they simply think of the issue and that information then flows throughout the energy field of that particular dimension so that all the spirits at that level are aware of the matter at hand simultaneously. Now conversely, when our loved ones want to communicate with us in the physical dimension, they often have to wait for us to be in a state of rest, calmness, be quiet, be still, or when we're no longer grieving their loss before we can register their subtle energy and thoughts. Now mediums have to train their thoughts and consciousness and the subconscious mind in order to effectively communicate with spirits. The medium needs to be in a state of heightened awareness, but calm and centered and sending out their positive intention to communicate with the spirit world. The medium state of mind or health can adversely affect this communication process. So they learn to develop a process of attunement by which they quicken and raise their vibratory rate of the physical mind and body until they are able to reach the energy field of the communicating spirit. Now, unfortunately, the spirit conversely has to slow and lower their energy vibratory rate in order to get closer to us in this dense field of energy that we call the physical world. During communication, the medium allows the information to filter into their subconscious mind, where their role becomes one of interpreter. Now, the spirit communicator is incredibly useful at their job because they try to prompt the mediums by using something in their life their experiences, their memories, in order to get the information across to the loved ones. Now this can sometimes lead to confusing or incorrect messages if there is nothing in the medium's memory banks or experiences that is similar to the information that the spirit wishes to impart. And they're asking me to share an example with you. Uh, I have a student who has had an internal defibrillator in his heart since he was a child. So that if anyone comes through with a cardiac issue, he's immediately able to recognise those symptoms. Uh, after doing 50 years as a nurse with me, they often stick a blood test form in front of my face or an x-ray or a hospital appointment card in order for me to recognise there is a need for further investigation. So nothing the medium puts into their mind is ever wasted. 
the spirit world loves you to read, to experience, to go out there and have a life so they can use what you have been through in order to communicate with loved ones still on the earth plane. Now, interestingly, as the medium develops, he or she can speed up this process by working with symbols. And this allows a spirit communicator to use one image, memory or event to transmit layers of information that the medium will then gradually peel away like peeling an onion. And again, they've asked me to give you an example. Uh, many years ago, uh, one of my students saw a tent and said to the recipient, oh, you must like camping. And they said, yes, we do. And then the tent was flying a Boy Scout pennant. So the student said, and you must have been in the Boy Scouts. And the recipient said, yes, I was. And then suddenly there was all these insignia over the surface of the tent, Boy Scout badges. And he said, but it's more than just being a Boy Scout. I'm getting all these badges. And the recipient said, oh, my father knew Baden-Powell personally. And then finally, there was a pair of desert boots outside the door of the tent, sitting on the sand. And so the student said, would the desert mean something to you? And he said, yeah, my father was a desert rat. So the spirit world uses everything at its possibility to get through to us. And to be frank, they're very patient because we're hard work, you know. And if we use symbolism, what we find is this becomes a very rapid process of communication because the medium and the team of helpers and guides soon develop their own personal dictionary of symbolic meaning. And in fact, I remember teaching in this church two years ago when one student saw a barrel and said, what is red barrel? Well, that takes you back a few years, guys, if you remember that. But for him, it was nothing to do with beer. It was the surname of Watney's, and he was spot on. So don't ever think the spirit world aren't clever, because quite frankly, they knocked our intelligence into a cocked hat the moment we started walking on the earth plane. Now, when we look at higher communication, and by this I mean guides, philosophers, ascended masters, angelic beings, Sometimes they require more preparation in order to reduce the vibratory rate of their energy field to come into contact with this slow, dense vibration of the physical plane. And that can take time and energy, as we know again from Red Cloud, talking about how long it took the Council of Eleven to slow down their vibratory rate between World War I and World War II in order to be there for the mass transition that occurred during World War II. Apparently it took seven years of spiritual work to bridge the two vibrations. Now if that's not an example of divine love, I don't know what is. So we've got to stop and think about how does our consciousness affect the consciousness of the global universe and the multiverse. And it's not hard to imagine that our negative views and thoughts 
in times of stress and anxiety affect the consciousness of mankind. And this generates fear and insecurity across the globe and in areas of trauma and unrest. This negative consciousness rising into the global universe impacts on humanity's mindset, its views and perceptions, often without us even realising it. Let's take the news, for example. The latest disaster in one part of the world or another. First reaction, watching the television, oh dear, that's so dreadful. Oh, I'm so glad I don't live there. How awful. Not, let's send some light. Let's send some love. Let's raise our vibration because that energy will be used. Please never, ever doubt that. So what I'm going to pose for you today is a question about how you think. I want you to think seriously about what you communicate into the global consciousness on a daily basis. Is it fear, anxiety, despair, sadness, anger, or something worse? Or are we truly able to link with that global consciousness and send out love, peace, understanding, enlightenment and healing to the world. Now, if your answer is the latter, then I want to congratulate you on your personal mediumship and your power of communication because you are already doing work for the spirit world. And that brings me to the end of my talk. So prompting questions, comments, please don't throw any rotten tomatoes. <laughs> yes, sir. You mentioned um, the period of seven years between World War I and World War II. Can you sort of elaborate on that? I, I, I wasn't According to uh, Red Cloud, that was how long an elevated uh, group of 11 ascended spirits, so outside the physical earth plane, worked to slow the vibratory rate down of their beings in order that they could touch consciousness on the earth plane level. And I know from about the 1930s onwards, we were seeing some very gifted physical mediums um, on the earth plane working towards raising their vibrations in order to act as voices for the Council of Eleven. But they said it took the spirit world seven years of slowing everything down. Now that's seven years of Earth time. Probably in their eyes it went in a flash because time does not hold the same bearing in the spirit world as it does here on the Earth plane. So it's a little bit of the science that's not so easy to grasp. But even today, we find scientists are recognising that um, time and space aren't what we thought they were. Any other thoughts? I think they've passed to the spirit world. <laughs> yes, Sue. Um, what advice would you give to people um, who would like to know how to raise their consciousness so that they can do it on an everyday basis? Well, how we train mediums is to move into that 
uh, heightened state of awareness anyway. So you're learning to be centered and calm, but also hyper aware. And it's the feeling when, doesn't matter where you are, suddenly you know you're separate from the physical space around you. You're conscious that it's there, but you're no longer taking note of it. And when you're at that level, and that's only one level, I need to say to you, um, I think Red Cloud talked about 11 known levels of, of vibration. When you're at that level, you become aware of a different energy. You start to, if your eyes are shut, you see energies moving across in light. Um, you may feel breezes coming in at you. You hear voices at a distance. And it's like you're pushing the door open to that other dimension. But it takes discipline. I, I have to say to you, if anyone promises you, you know, go to a workshop near a medium in six weeks, they're being very unfair. Because we're talking about particularly mediums of the past who spent all their life developing and you never stop. And I know dear Mark is agreeing with me because our mediumship changes all the time, doesn't it? All the time. So just as you learn to master, and I say that very loosely, one level of consciousness, so they're already preparing your vibration for the next level. And the way to test that is looking at your physical life you no longer gel with certain groups of people. They've moved out. Then even looking at the physical body, your taste for food and drinks alter. You know, if you were a curry on a Friday night, man, you suddenly find the very smell of curry turns your stomach because your vibrations in the physical body are changing. And then you find stillness appeals much more to you. Sorry, they're laughing at me than Freddie Mercury and Queen. Well, no, that's not going out of my book. Um, because suddenly you want to be in that stillness because it's very healing for the individual as well as them being part of the healing vibration that's going out. And um, it's, so it goes on to the point that, I won't say the physical world loses all its interest for you, but you become very discerning about what really matters. So you don't get involved in politics, gossip, fights between friends. Suddenly those things, they are that person's pathway. They're not yours anymore. And you are now creating that next stage of your pathway. Um, I wouldn't like to say how many levels there are in total, because even the scientists are arguing. I think they've gone past the 11 dimensions, but they're not quite indicating how much past it. But it... it <laughs> With the greatest respect to people who need just a message, this is a stage much further on. We all need messages of healing and love and enlightenment. But if we want to do something for the world, we have to go a bit further. We have to be truly pupils to the spirit world's teachings. And with the busy lives a lot of people lead these days, there is a reluctance for people to put the time and effort in. It's very easy to be spiritual on the top of a mountain in a cave when the whole village is feeding you and looking after you. That doesn't happen anymore. We have to live the lives we live, but we still have to find that moment of stillness and calm where we know we're connecting with this intelligence. Can you remember that, please? This intelligence, this spiritual intellect that knows no bounds, no bounds at all. So hard work, I'm afraid, Sue. Keep at it. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that the day before we die, suddenly we wake up and think, blimey, I only got to third grade. <laughs> and then we go over the other side and we look at our life plan and we think, could have done better, should have tried harder. 
But remember, this is an internal path that your soul is on. And so it does get time and time again the chance to do more, to be more, and to generate more power in this world. This is just the start, ladies and gentlemen. It's a marathon. And please don't ask me how long it takes. If it took billions of years to get to this point, I haven't got the possibility of guessing because time means nothing to the spirit world. Absolutely nothing. That's why when Laurie's around, we still see dinosaurs, isn't it, Laurie? <laughs> so I'm saying you're at the start of your journey. Please enjoy it, but please put effort in. And if you fall at the first milestone, so what? Pick yourself up. Go forward. Because there's always the energy of the spirit world waiting to take you forward, waiting to take your hand. There is nothing the spirit world wouldn't do for us. And I'm not saying that with any sense of ego. If you ever go out of body and feel the love that you are surrounded by, it makes it very hard to come back. Very hard. Because the energy they create through love is so powerful. Um, as my friend's laughing behind me, my spirit helper, he's saying, it gives you a better high than sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> so there you go, something to really look forward to. Okay, now I'm aware I finished earlier than usual, Laurie. Any other questions? Or? Yes. <laughs> Speaking of intelligence in the spirit world, um, as we've known people in the physical world here, whether it's relatives or friends, and we know them to um, be of a certain intelligence level here, um, when they pass over to the spirit world, do they have their higher intelligence? So when we communicate with them there, are they giving us different intelligence to what we have here? <coughs> That's quite an interesting point because people still confuse spirit with soul. Now, all the intelligence is actually encompassed in the soul. The spirit has each experience which adds to the total of the soul's understanding. So it depends whether they're still linked to the spirit body closely. And, you know, I can only offer you my understanding. I can't give you a guarantee on this. It's when you touch soul level, then you're talking about um, divine intellect because it has that essence of the God force in it, the soul. And as it's learning each lesson, it's almost like it's marking off maths, English, history. Each lesson is giving it another facet to its understanding of the divinity that is within it. So it depends where you are. Souls have a certain level of intelligence, don't doubt that. But when we first pass, we retain so much of our physical experiences that you'll be talking to the person you lost. It's only as they evolve that there'll be less and less of the person you lost, more of the spirit within, and eventually the soul within that. So I don't, I don't know how long that takes. But you know, people say things like, well, my father's been gone 20 years and he never comes through. Maybe he has transitioned so far up that ladder of, of intellect that he doesn't need to come through. You need, on the earth plane, because we love to be recognized, we love to be, healed and experience again that familial connection but it depends on the lesson the soul was attempting to achieve and none of us know 
what another soul is attempting to achieve. You might get little um, snippets of information because if you see patterns occurring in life after life after life, that's telling you your spirit is looking for that particular lesson to bottom it out, to move it on. So that's one less to worry about. And that gives the soul again another facet of understanding. So the soul has full intellect, full intelligence, full divinity. The spirit is the thing that's doing most of the active learning. It confuses the heck out of people, I'm afraid. And you will always find a divergence of opinion. So all I can give you is my understanding. And it may not be the last one you hear. Um, because as we learn, so our understanding changes. And what I believed 50 years ago is very different from what I accept now. I'll tell you a little story, just to sidetrack. I used to be scared of little green men with big eyes. Never met one, but I was pretty scared of them until my clairaudient helper came into my circle of helpers. And he's a Star Trek, Star Trek themed. So suddenly I found that space was interesting because when I got nervous, he used to give me a lightsaber. He'd go, may the force be with you, dear. And so he'd make fun of my fears, my nervousness. And so now I don't care what shape you are. I don't even care what level of intelligence you have. You're on a pathway learning whether you're from Earth, I don't know, out of Mongolia or out of space. You're learning to live, to experience. And I respect your journey in the way I hope you respect mine. So be interesting to see what happens next. So when that UFO hovers over the church, you'll know they've come for you. <laughs> anyway, I hope it's given you food for thought, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for listening. So, uh, we've now got a short pause. The next talk will be at uh, one o'clock with the lovely Anne-Marie Hogan. So use this to chat amongst yourselves, if you wish to purchase any teas, coffees. Those of you who have just joined us, if you wish to order your lunch up front so it's ready for you at two, please do. Uh, yeah, so just enjoy. Thank you.
Thank you. 